0: What's going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Hey, y'all. It's late. It is late. (laughs) It is late, but nonetheless, welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your longest running Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans, that is us. We spit hot fire. Spit hot fire. As always, intro and outro music is brought. To you by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at oceansoverairplanes.com. Give us a follow or hit up. It's on Twitter. I am at So Says Jay. Paul is at Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, and whatever else we're on. I don't know. We should start doing it on YouTube, like the solar panel guys. People that- want to see our pretty faces. Well, we are better looking than Dave and Espo. So and, yeah, Dave Paul, and Espo. <laughs> Paul, just, Paul just exposed his feelings about Tim. Congratulations, Tim. Paul thinks you're handsome. Anyway, and—, and He's and got I style. I don't know that we are better looking than Dave and Espo. I think they're very handsome men. Tangent number one took a minute and, like, ten seconds. Perfect. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Let's talk Phoenix Suns, Paul. Let's. You hear the Big, big news. news? Did, did you, you hear, hear the big did news? Did you hear the big news? New training facility. Oh, you stole <laughs> it from me. You son of a bitch. 44th Street and Kellenback, right in my neighborhood. Nope. Yep. Devin Booker, you have Neighbors. no idea how hard I'm going to stalk you right meow, okay? Okay? You feel that? The real big news of the day, Paul. That was my drum roll. Do it. We have a coach. We have a coach. We, we have, have our co- first choice of coach. Monty Burns Williams. Yes. Monty Burns Williams. Right there next to Jack Bauer. I'm just using fictitious names. Yes. We have a cartoon character and we have a superhero. What? If, wouldn't Monty Burns kind of also be a superhero because he like never dies? Remember that episode where... He, he was like the alien. Well, well no, where, where, where the doctor explained how all the diseases he has were like,
1: like trying to get through a door,
0: but they were all jammed. And he was like, so I'm invincible. And the doctor's like, no, if one thing goes wrong, then he's like, I'm invincible and runs away. So yes. they're both superheroes. Tangent number two took another 30 seconds. minute and 30 seconds after tangent number one. Okay. So, Monty Williams is the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, Like Paul said, got her first choice, cuckolded the Lakers a little bit, which is awesome. I don't hate that one. Don't hate it at all. And, they're they're going to be um, stuck with Ty Lu. Ty Lue. Who I don't think is actually a bad coach. Right, and you know what's funny? I, you bring that up, and who was it? Oh, Tim, Tim Tompkins, your... Number one most handsome guy on solar panel brought up on Twitter. I want to say like last week, he, he, he says something to the effect of having coached LeBron, does that like improve your resume? Or somebody asked that and, and Tim said, yes, or maybe Tim asked it. I don't remember. And I was like, the only person who could possibly be happy and positive about coaching LeBron ever is... My half Filipino brother Eric Spolstra, because he's the one dude that didn't get forced out. Well, I mean, at which point Espo then said, "Well, Ty Lue won title with LeBron and didn't get forced out, but he didn't get forced out after LeBron left, isn't right? But isn't <laughs> is, doesn't that just make Ty Lue like his little puppet?"
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the whole Cleveland situation was very much the, much more so the LeBron show than Miami was, and that's just because the structure. Miami had much more of a structure in place that didn't let him. They had run roughshod. Over Miami had an
0: ego bigger than LeBron's by the name of a certain Pat Riley, right? Yes. Beautiful. Not just an ego, but maybe a will and pull. Yes. Like I mean, if LeBron's LeBron, but right, LeBron Pat hadn't Riley's proved anything
1: Pat, when, when LeBron went to Miami, he hadn't proved anything yet.
0: So just like, that he was a sellout and a defector and. Mm-hmm. A fraud. Your words, not mine. Literally true because I said them. Yeah, but they're also true. So anyway, back to the Suns. Yeah, let's do this. We can always come back to the Lakers. Monty Williams <laughs> hired. All right. Background. Let's talk about Monty Williams' background for a little bit because the yeah. dude, the dude, the dude has been in the league. He played college ball at Notre Dame. Played mm. well at Notre Dame. I did not know he was Notre Dame grad. He is a player. Golden Domer, also a grad. Oh, he actually got a Also a, a grad, Good yeah. For him. He, well, I guess I don't know. I'm assuming. He seems like the kind of guy mm-hmm. that would get a degree. Go back and finish it up, yeah. Just based on all of that. Uh, just based on all of the character things we, we hear about him. But at any rate, he was a first round draft pick, played in the NBA for nine years, played for the Knicks, the Spurs. We won't hold that against him. Nuggets, Magic, Sixers. After he got out of the league, he was initially a assist and, and an assistant and assistant coach.
1: Actually, he was oh, an that's intern right. Yet. He
0: interned. He was a he was They're a coaching, coaching intern here. for the Spurs when they yeah. won the title in 03, 04, or maybe it was yeah. no 04, 05, I think. Okay. Anyway, then he was an assistant coach for Portland from 05 through two thousand ten, and became after that the head coach of the New Orleans at that point Hornets. When he got hired, interestingly, he was the youngest head coach in the NBA at the time. He was... How old, Paul? 38. Good job. That's impressive. That's impressive. Uh, so he was there from 2010 through 2015, compiled a record of 173 and 221, which we'll get into because Suns fans are never satisfied. During yeah, that I time mean, frame... I- I'm
1: sorry. If you're an experienced coach and you're on the market, there's
0: rarely are you an experienced coach on the market with... A above 5. What a read. fantastic point, Paul. Now, 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 meow, I feel like you're feeling me. But anyway. Feeling me, bro? I feel you, bro. He bookended his five years in New Orleans uh, with playoff appearances.
1: Playoffs? Maybe, maybe
0: not. Fucking playoffs? Maybe not successful ones, but nonetheless. It's still there. They were playoff appearances okay so after that he got fired again we'll talk about that too because it made no sense and uh became the assistant head coach of the oklahoma city thunder then unfortunately went through the passing of his wife took a couple years off and went to the 76ers was an assistant coach there, and then that brings us to. I think to there day. is
1: actually. I was reading it in an article, and I think that fills in that blank there. He worked for the Spurs, not as a coach. In I think in that window oh, after his from the
0: passed. sixteen to eighteen like, time frame? like
1: Popovich literally created a role so he could have a job, specifically so he could have a job.
0: That makes me like him even more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not because he was with the Spurs because, you know, fuck the Spurs, but because he got more exposure to being with the Spurs because goddamn the Spurs. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, okay, that's enough. That's enough background. That was way too much background. But what I want to hear, Paul. Justin. When you heard the news this morning, you texted me, I think it was like 743 a.m. That's my guess. I already knew what happened, but I appreciate you giving me the update. I don't know. What was your what was your initial impression? Well,
1: my initial impression was I was happy that... They got a coach? They got a coach. I was ha- even more happy that they got their first choice of coach. Mm-hmm. Because that has not been the Suns' track record over the last four coaches.
0: Which is only a period of four years, but still. Five years. My bad.
1: (laughs) But anyway, um, so that was very promising to me, particularly because, you know, the news that had come out about them meeting with Monty Williams, like they went out there, like Jones, I I think it was Jones and Bauer went out there just by themselves. They didn't make an offer. Then there was a second meeting. Sarver was there, again, didn't make an offer. And then, you know, the fatalists that are Suns fans is like, Oh fuck, we screwed this up. So <sighs> then, so then to wake up this morning and relatively quickly in the morning get word that oh no we didn't. And then he's they're like it's like Woj reports they're like working to finalize the deal and then Sh- I think Shamsen says like oh they basically finalized the deal and then the Suns are like yeah he's our coach yeah like they didn't even like, there was. No <laughs> there was no wiggle room there.
0: It was like whoa shams sons. sons. Yeah. It it, it, <laughs> it it escalated quickly, it if did. you will. If you will. My reaction was similar. I mean, when Igor got fired Yeah and then it came out pretty quickly after that that the sons were well, interested in Monty Williams. Even though nothing had developed, I had this feeling that there had to be something in the pipeline. You know, I it just and we talked about this before recording about whether we would get into the Igor firing. Guess what, Paul? We're getting into it. All right. Um, I I I, I figured there was no way we were making it through this pod. Yeah. Talking about getting a new coach
1: without talking about the coach that left and being that we weren't able to record last week when it
0: actually happened. Or the week before, when that would have been relevant, but still I'm just saying it's been a while.
1: We we took a week off. Like, what were we going to talk about that week? Yeah.
0: So anyway. um, Anyway. I've been vocal about whether or not Igor should be back as a head coach. I have been very clear that I felt like he absolutely deserved to be back. And when he was fired, it made me think... Something's going on. Like, it's they—they they can't just fire him, and have not necessarily no plan in place, but not have at least some strong feeling that there's a plan in place. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not—I'm not saying that Monty Williams was already a signed, sealed, delivered thing because obviously he wasn't. But I feel like there had to be a. Inkling, there had to be a feeling, there had to be a sensation within James Jones that made him believe that Monty Williams would end up being a coach, which is why when I first heard Monty Williams's name mentioned, what the day of or the day after Igor was fired, I'm pretty I sure it was felt- like
1: within minutes of like Woj's we'll tweet saying Igor fired. Woj's we'll tweet, sons Here's- are interested in Monty Williams,
0: <laughs> right and. <laughs> And because of that, like I said, I I feel like there was something that was, again, not necessarily a done deal, but a, unless something horrible happens, this is a done deal.
1: Right. I mean, but then again, that's where the fatalism of the last number of years of the Suns is, comes in, which is like, you're like, your thought process is, they've got to have a plan here. Like, have the Suns really proven in the last five years that they have a plan and even when they, we think they have a plan, on a whim, that plan can go sideways. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we fired a coach three days into the season. We fired a GM three days before a season. So, the Suns having a plan is a new idea to Suns fans. You know, we went into a season without a point guard or a power forward, essentially. You know, are we really playing NBA basketball here? Are we operating like a normal team? No, we haven't been. So coming into Igor being let go, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: You you can have the assumption something's happening, but you can't really have the faith that it's happening. Right, right. Unless you're me, because this is the podcast of optimism, Paul. That side of the table is the podcast of optimism. He was pointing to my (laughs) side of the table in case anybody's wondering.
1: But so, I mean, even with that, even if there's like an intent of a plan in place.
0: You don't know if it's going to go awry.
1: You almost expect it to go awry.
0: Fair. So. It didn't. It didn't. We also (laughs) don't know that there was actually a plan. This is all pure speculation on my part. Pure speculation on your part. But do you, do you think there was a plan? Do you think, do you think that the Suns, when, when James Jones, Jack Bauer, Robert Sarver, whoever it was that was like, Igor, peace. Nice to have I you mean, around for a year. Do you think they knew that there was a strong possibility that they would get Monty Williams? And when I say strong possibility... I mean more than an internal feeling that there was a strong possibility. There was some level.
1: I think they had a better than 50% idea that they could pull it off. Okay. But not much better. Just because you know with everything that's come, come out in the media just the sun's as a team's reputation in the league right now, which kind of brings us back to the Lakers situation in that they are competing for the job too. They sent out a litany of their front office, what currently
0: exists of their front office staff, to try to woo him. And didn't they meet with him before Igor was even fired? Yeah. Suck it, Lakers! So...
1: To have that happen, because, I mean, that's a much more prestigious job. You can make an argument, you know, you ha- you're closer to a winning team in the short term. Okay. Um, I mean... They have... They truly have cap space to make a move to bring okay. in another player. So they you're ha-
0: saying not with what they have?
1: Well, that's not even... I'm not really against that either, because, I mean... You know, with the young players they have, assuming they come back, they'll all be back healthy. If it if it wasn't for LeBron's injury, like they weren't able to hold fort when he was out, and he was out for so long, it just like once he came back, they couldn't recover. And then the whole damn trade for Anthony Davis thing just screwed morale. But you take those two things, if those two things didn't happen, I would have bet money they would have made the playoffs. Okay. You know, so from that standpoint, you walk into the next season, God forbid, you know, they don't get a free agent. They don't.
0: Oh me... God forbid they don't? Or God, please, I hope they don't.
1: From their perspective, oh, God forbid okay. they that don't makes get a free sense. agent. From my perspective, Paul? that's guffaws. What is, uh,
0: I don't know what that is.
1: It's like a deep, guttural laugh. Oh. Uh, in Pointing at somebody and going,
0: <laughs> "That's a goofball." Don't ever do that again. That was terrifying. Just you seen your face—it's a, ter- a
1: terrifying laugh. <laughs>
0: no, but I mean, your face was terrifying. But whole, you know. But different, uh, <laughs> different, different topic.
1: So, so coming back to that, so wait, so having Monty Williams choose the Suns over the Lakers says at least the, the Suns aren't the worst situation in
0: the league. You know what? They're not, and he, 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 let's look at this from a like look at this from a coach's if you, perspective.
1: If you chop off the head of the Suns, they're not a, they're not the worst situation in the league.
0: Well, clearly, if you leave the head of the Suns on, they're still not the worst situation in the league. Clearly, clearly, but let's look at that from Monty Williams' perspective. I mean, what's there not to love about coming into this organization, In terms of the talent? or the potential that this roster has. I mean, you have Devin Booker. Yeah. You have Kevin Durant. Oh, excuse me, too early for that. Um, <laughs> you have Devin Booker. You have DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. You have Kelly Oubre, presumably. presumably. He's going to stick around. Mikael Bridges. You've got Mikhail Bridges. You, have, you still have TJ Warren, if he plays. still have Josh Jackson. You still have Josh Jackson. These are all young guys. You don't have the point Don't, for,
1: don't forget Melton and a Cobol. Right. Those guys are like flyers, but one of them could turn into something, right?
0: But you have you have one budding superstar. You have a number one draft pick. You have a no, another lottery, a few few other lottery picks. But I'm thinking primarily Kelly Oubre, who has. Yeah. Blossomed coming to the Suns and wants right. to be on the Suns and wants to be a leader and can be a leader and invigorates the team, invigorates the crowd, you've got, frankly, in my humble opinion, a city that's tied for the best city in the United States of America. With? What do you think, Paul? San Diego. Obviously. <laughs> okay? And in reality... Phoenix is pretty much San Diego because most of us spend a bunch of time out there all the time anyway, right? And with the way global warming is going, we may be San Diego, right? Exactly. At some point, this will just be beachfront property. Beachfront property. So <laughs> there's 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 not a lot to not like about the Phoenix situation when you look at talent and you look at just the the, the area. I mean, there's a reason why back in the '90s the Suns were. franchise that people wanted to come to, that players wanted to come to. And I think the combination of James Jones, who I feel like I've said this before on this pod, is a very well-respected individual when it comes to player circles, has good relationships. You combine that with Monty Williams, who clearly, clearly falls under the same category we just did wonders for the Suns as a possible destination for whether it be free agents, guys that are trying to push their way out of teams, whatever. Suddenly, suddenly the, 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 it, it seems like a quick... It's a, it's a, from where the Suns were as a franchise and the perspective that the rest of the league had about it yesterday to today... I feel like it's night and day.
1: Yes, I agree with that. I think, you know, it was definitely, it was a lot of positive press after a couple of weeks of less than stellar press. Like, when it came from the, I, I honestly, like, starting even with the with the Jones hire, just because, you know, there was a lot of, oh, are they pulling another Earl Watson, you know, like, not really doing a true search. Yeah, 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 and hiring a guy with essentially no experience outside of being an interim for Mm -hmm. a year. So that wasn't well-received to the um, hiring of Jeff Jack Bauer, which was— I legit
0: forgot his first name for a while. That's why I kept calling him Jack Bauer. Which
1: was, I think, meant more so with indifference. Well— you know, it's like oh, he's a solid NBA guy. He's no, he's not a home run swing, but he's like a
0: solid single. Right. It's almost like to mix your metaphors. Certain, certain fans, I assume, just believe the Suns were trying to appease the whole concept. Of, right, appease the people who had the concept of the Suns need to bring somebody with experience.
1: Right, but and I think, but I think also when you're looking at a situation where I think. It comes back to to David Griffin, in that he was out there. He has connections to the Suns, which is part of the problem of why he didn't come back to the Suns. Mm-hmm. But he's also got a pretty proven track record um, for, as a front office guy and leading a front office. And he was out there, and he was available, and the Suns weren't even right giving in the college try to get him right. So from that, so there it's looking like they're half-assing the situation. And then you have the Igor firing, which came as a surprise, but not a surprise. I think the timing kind of made it more of a surprise where it's like, where it was, I start, I was getting to the point where I thought he was safe. Yeah, that makes sense. And then he wasn't. So he was let go. And then the news from earlier this week that that GM that everybody wanted that we didn't get and is now the GM of the Pelicans post your athletic trainer. So
0: then you're like, yeah, but who cares? Sorry. I'm sorry, Aaron Nelson. It's not 2007 anymore. I mean, I get What are you going to do for me? Write me out. You know, I mean like he's, everybody's hurt all the time. Maybe next year, TJ Warren will play 70 games. Wait, that would be too many. Sixty games, <laughs> you know. I, it's that—that's something. You know what? Hold on. Let me let me stop. Let's take a break. We need to take. You know what? Actually, before we take a break, I feel like it's a good time based on what you just brought up. For us to cut to everybody's favorite and longest running segment on Fan in the Flames, and that is Paul. What the fuck's going on with TJ Warren? Uh, he's probably on vacation somewhere. Yeah. Is he hurt? Angola. Though? Is he hurt? Do you think he's hurt? I don't know. Probably still hurt. Possibly. All right. We'll be back. Okay, so the whole Aaron Nelson thing. Everybody got all up in arms about that. Sure, okay. He revived Nash's career. He revived Shaq, even. He revived Grant Hill. Guess what all those guys have in common? There are probably people that are Suns fans, like legit Suns fans, that don't remember them playing for the Suns. It's been that long. I that might know. be an exaggeration, but you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. It's not like that track record is still there. The Sun's organization isn't the fountain of youth anymore for old guys. It's the fountain of youth just for well, because there, there's youth. nothing but youth. W- which you can make the argument that, like that might but be But the, the youth problem. is hurt. Right. So he can only make old guys healthy. He can't keep young guys healthy.
1: Well, to play slight devil's advocate there
0: you better play a big devil's advocate because I feel like that comment made a ton of sense. Well,
1: <laughs> when you have, one, a lot of the young guys' injuries were fluky. Like, I really don't know what to call TJ Warren's injuries. But um, you can make an argument, one, a lot of these young guys are growing, still growing <laughs> into their bodies a little bit, so things can happen that like you truly can't plan for because mm-hmm. you don't know how their body's going to develop yet. The other thing is there's a level of understanding the type of work you need to put in to keep your body right that you don't really get until you have the experience. So older guys like Nash, like Grant Hill, will understand I, was, I, I existed on natural just young person existence and it was fine that way, or they, they also ran into an injury situation, and they're like they're coming back from it, and they're like, I'm willing to put in the work because I need to come back from this, or I need to like manage this. Young guys don't have to manage stuff a lot, so maybe they weren't as committed to doing what the trainers wanted them to do as older guys were, or you know, in that previous generation of players.
0: So, he can... Make old guys healthy, but can't keep young guys healthy. <laughs> like that was kind of my point. But no, but 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 to go to what you were just saying, I I, I get what you're saying about okay. There's some of them are still growing. Fluky things can it's happen. Eating but McDonald's and Del Taco. Are you talking about Luca Doncic now? Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about all of them. <laughs> um, but yes, but <laughs> too. but. With the you know the concept of they're they're still young they 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 still might be growing, there still might be things that come up that you don't you're, you know you don't expect, I feel like that kind of proves my point. We're a young team, so if if that truly is the issue and it's something that Aaron Nelson was not able to predict or handle or manage, doesn't that just make him even that much more expendable? and then to the point of well, the older players know what they need to do and they're they're more regimented and they'll stick to plans and whatnot well again if he can't as the team trainer impart on these young guys you need to do this if he does know how to maintain their health then isn't that a problem again i mean at the end of the day regardless of how you get to the finish line like, the end result is what matters, and the end result hasn't necessarily been all that impressive over the past however many years. I mean, right. when was the last time somebody was really like, oh, the Suns vaunted training staff? I would say it was probably two thousand like eleven or something. Well,
1: yeah, because they were getting those accolades because guys were coming in who were, like, you know, on the decline, and then they had resurgences. Or guys who had, like chronic injuries like Nash with his back were able to manage it and pl- continue to play at a high level without getting seriously injured. Whereas you don't have those situations with young players like, okay, let's say if they, if the Suns had somehow gotten Greg Odin and they were able to actually turn him into something as a rookie because, like, his he's walking in with medical issues. Mm-hmm. Or, like, even, like, if they had got if they were able to do it with, like, Brandon Roy. Actually, they, I mean, he did it with Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire had freaking microfracture surgery twice or whatever it was. And they were able to keep him playing at an elite level for half a decade after microfracture surgery. And then he left and he went to shit. But, um, so... There is a little bit of context in what the team is now versus what it was then. That the opportunities to show, oh, this guy was injured and now he's like, not, aren't as
0: present. Let's let's use Steve Nash and his chronic, chronic back injury. Well,
1: that, that, it's you, why
0: yeah, the uh, Mavs didn't re- right, right but, you, but you. How many games do you think Nash played and started the year before he came to the Suns? 76. 78. How about the year before that? What do you think? 76. 82. What do you think about the year before that? 81. 82. How how, 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 how chronic was Nash's injury at that point? I
1: don't know. I mean, I'm was, just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. saying like, I'm just saying it was a thing. It was, like, it was clearly something that was discussed and talked about, and it was a concern, of the Mavericks that they weren't willing to pay him, and the Suns the Suns took a risk and paid him because it that was that was the reason. Like it's literally in interviews that he was that Cuban was concerned that the back injury was going to rear its ugly head, and so he didn't want to pay that much more money. And the Suns brought
0: him in and okay, yeah. But but again. When you got a guy that plays 78, 82, 82. Even the year before that, he played 70. The year before that, fine, 56. Right. But when you're one, two, three, four seasons removed, can you really give a guy credit for reinvigorating a guy's career when he played almost the... I I never
1: said Nash was one who was reinvigorated. I just did. I (laughs) I said Nash was a player who had an injury, and they kept him at a high level while still managing the injury whereas Grant Hill and Shaq were players who were
0: reinvigorated so if 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 a training staff if a guy goes to a team and had an injury 5 years before and he plays okay for that he, he he's healthy with that team that he's playing for 5 years after the injury you're giving them credit for keeping him healthy because he's not re I'm I, was, sure. I almost I literally almost just said rehaving but you know what I'm saying like I'm just saying like, there's way too much going into this whole Aaron Nelson's leaving thing. How about we just circle around at that point? And we stop debating what he did in 2007, 2008, because it doesn't matter. Because what matters is, again, what we've been looking at for the past few years, and there's nothing all that impressive about it. It's, it's really about Suns fans, again, never being satisfied and looking for something to nitpick on. I think that's what it boils down to. It boils
1: down to is just at the time when you're looking at this the team is taking a bunch of L's. It's just it's kind of one more. It's it's a smaller L, but it's not a good look when your trainer
0: is like peace. Having all your guys hurt every year. Oh no! It's that. That's cool. That's fine. Wait. <laughs> In most cases,
1: if the trainer's not doing well, the team lets them go. This is a situation where the trainer was
0: poached. Well, 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 how about this? I mean, do you really know what went on internally? I mean, maybe... They were going to let him go, and he got poached, and they... It's like, what? Who cares? Maybe maybe that was part of what played into him getting, quote-unquote, poached. I mean, I'm just saying. It's pure speculation, but rampant
1: i'm just saying and i understand what you're saying but i'm also just saying a perception perception wise aaron nelson in the league still had a very strong reputation and he's one of the few things that was still considered good in the sun's organization within considered good Consider. I'm talking about perception. I mean, okay,
0: let me let me ask you. Let me I'm ask I'm literally you, talking right. about so, perception. So, so that's, consideration is the that's, point. That's my point. Is it's a perception, but it's not the reality. Like Suns fans are like, oh, we lost Aaron Nelson, well, but who gives a shit? Let's see what he does in New Orleans. See if he can keep Anthony Davis healthy.
1: And I mean, honestly, I'm I don't hate that they're doing something with Exos. Exos is a really really cool organization. I didn't even I didn't even bother bringing that up, but I agree. So I mean it's not like like it's mitigate the move is mitigated by that but at the same time, most people don't know what Exos is. They don't know what they do. I have a little bit of knowledge of what they do.
0: Are you gonna talk about your injuries Paul?
1: No. no, I haven't go to them for my injuries. I wish I could they're they're amazing. They have they do a lot of cutting edge stuff with regards to athlete training and whatnot. There's a lot of they're they're one of those organizations that like players go to in the off season to do a program. Mm-hmm. And now they're just hooked up with a team and they're basically going to do their training and body management and all that kind of stuff for which, them.
0: Which I think brings up a, a point as well when it comes to the whole poaching thing. Like they were pretty quick to come out and talk about Exos, right? The Suns right. were. I'm assuming that didn't happen over. A I'm assuming of 24 it didn't Yeah.
1: So it, it it's entirely possible it was, like, a mutual move. But I just feel like it would have been positioned differently. Like, the that the news came out that it was the Pelicans taking Aaron Nelson wasn't the best PR look. Like, if they were planning to let him go or, like, mutually part ways mm-hmm. because they're doing this other thing, I feel like... The Suns could have been better about being on t- like making that announcement, going, "We're going in this direction with this thing." Aaron is looking for other opportunities, and then yes, yeah, the Pelicans say the next day, "We've hired Aaron, Aaron Nelson." You know,
0: that's mm, fine. But from a perception standpoint, how much do you care that Aaron Nelson's gone? It from not from a perception standpoint, from a practical perspective. I mean practically i'm indifferent right which which is a very reasonable perspective to have
1: but it to finish my point on the damn perception thing is oh, that oh you weren't done i was not done god it's,
0: damn it keeps going
1: <laughs> there because you interrupted me what <laughs> i never do that how dare how dare you sir The, the sun's last year has been a pr nightmare agreed sure the perception in the league is that it is a house burning down. Mm-hmm. One of the few things in the organization that was still considered a positive was their training staff. Whether that they were no longer like the panacea for any injury—that's
0: a good word. I, I like to well, try then. a new
1: one every 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 pod. Um, they were no longer that. They still had. They still were considered in the upper echelon and one of the elite training staffs in the league, whether it was true or not, that's what they were considered. And then for that to be for the PR story of it being he's, le- he's choosing to leave, to go over here, not the best immediate look. And it, and the, the idea that, okay, we have a giant bucket of shit with a couple Cadbury eggs in it, and one of those Cadbury eggs,
0: <laughs> what? I don't what know just where happened? I was going with that. Oh my god! <laughs> Go on, but just I like, want to hear all about the Cadbury whole, eggs you have, and the you have a shit. A whole,
1: whole bunch of mess, and there's a few bright <laughs> spots in it, and one of those bright <laughs> spots went away. <laughs> it just makes it like all that's left
0: is even more shit. I I. I you just you just shut me up. I, don't, I I've got I have nothing. no I, I do have something. but you're an idiot, Paul. Is I'm, you're something? I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it because again, I look at it from a practical perspective. Perception is perception, fine. whatever. you know what? hey, you know what? I think LeBron is terrible. I wouldn't want him on my team, blah blah blah, right? Does that mean he's a shitty player? In reality? No. No, He's an amazing player. Right. But my perception is I wouldn't want him on, on, on my team in any way, for, shape, for or form. For reasons
1: other than his play, basically. Right, but
0: that's my perception. That's your opinion. That's actually not an opinion. It's just a fact. Ask Luke it's Walton. It's a fact.
1: You don't want him on your team. <laughs> that is definitely
0: a fact. Okay, so... But,
1: well, actually, speaking of Luke Walton, I wanted to get back to something I think... Which I was going to talk about. Hold on. Let's take a break. So what I was going to say was, to go back to the Luke Walton thing, um, when the kings let Dave Yerger go, they clearly knew Walton was coming. Like, mm-hmm. that was, like, that happened so quickly.
0: quickly. That, it was, like, literally a day, right? It was
1: literally a day. That was a... Different situation than the Suns were in when they let Igor go. They had a more than... A day. more Not just more than a day, but more than a... Their, their confidence that they were going to be able to get Monty Williams was such that they felt confident making the move. But that doesn't mean... But it wasn't like, here's a sure thing that the King situation was.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I would have been interested to see if the Suns would have... Could have even gotten into that Luke Walton situation. Like, like if he was leaving, I mean, why was... I mean, the Kings are his... I mean, that's a good move for Walton. I think he'll
0: do really good. Except for the part where him. he has to live in Sacramento. Yeah... You know what, we need to talk about? Are you, are you done with that? I'm done. Are you done flipping back to something we talked about 45 minutes ago? Yep. It wasn't really 45 minutes ago because that would have been our first tangent when we were talking with the Lakers, probably, or something. Anyway.
1: Well, it wasn't. Let's go back
0: to Monty Williams. Yeah. And and less directly on Monty Williams, but still indirectly on Monty Williams. You got a five year deal. Yeah. That's... But Robert Sarver is so cheap, he would never give a five-year deal, right? <gasps> what? 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 People are like, he's probably getting paid like $4 a year. That's my impression of Suns fans who are idiots, <laughs> um, who are none of our listeners. You guys are all the best. I love you guys. But, so we got a five-year deal, right? Now, yeah. what I want to focus on... Okay. ...would be the... Um uh, the comments that Shams 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 Shames? Shams, Shams. Shams that Shams made and also the comments that Woj made about Sarver's involvement and some of Sarver's comments right. and some of Sarver's admissions when it comes to um you know getting Monty Williams on board. Right. So first of all, Shams said that the turning point, and I'm not quoting this, I'm paraphrasing, and it's from Shams on the Stadium Network, because I feel like we're supposed to like cite where we're getting stuff, doing it, said that the turning point... Look at you being a proper journalist. Look at me. The turning point was when Williams sat down with Jones and Sarver this past Wednesday, and Sarver admitted some of the mistakes that have occurred in the past, and started giving... Monty Williams, the vision of what he saw in terms of the franchise going forward and why he's believing in Jones and Williams as the nucleus that's going to lead the team. Right. Woj, along the same lines, ESPN, said that Sarver told Williams he was going to partner with him. He was going to support him. He was going to let Monty Williams coach the team. He was going to let his staff develop the players and stay out of the way.
1: I'll believe it when I see it, but it's good to hear.
0: Hmm. Why are you so pessimistic all the time? Can't you be happy about that? Like, everybody complains about that. Everybody complains about that. Because... I get it. I get it. Because there's history. I get it, but there's... He said this before. there's, There's history. But when was the last time, like, he fires people? Yes, fine. But I feel like there hasn't been a whole lot of chatter about Sarver actually meddling in the day-to-day operations of the team itself, the players, in a very long time. Just That's, that's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But he's saying what people want him to hear, and I don't think Sarver's ever gone as far as well, I guess technically it's not him saying it, but if Woj is quoting it, Woj is saying it happened, and Sean's saying it happened, we can agree it happened, right? Yeah. I don't think anything that's ever been reported about Sarver has come out to that level.
1: Well, it's, it's more just, it's a situation of, you can say you want to change, but until I see you actually doing it, I'm skeptical.
0: I'm hopeful that it's true. You get no positive feeling about the fact that he's saying it? Are you saying that you're expecting Robert Sarver to be lying? No. He wants to believe it,
1: but I also know he has base impulses that are hard to fight. So, like I said, I'm hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful that he's finally going to get to the point where he understands... I'm not Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones shouldn't even be doing this, and be that like involved in like the day to day, I see, like I th- operations of like how the team works on the on the court.
0: I thought you were implying that Jerry Jones was like good at it. Like I'm no. not. Like I can't do like. You're meaning he shouldn't do it because Jerry Jones should. Okay.
1: Jerry Jones shouldn't do it because he's not good at it. Robert Solver's awful at it.
0: Um, Were you looking for a reaction? Is that why you paused? No. <laughs> I lost my thought for a second. Oh, fair. But Robert Sogler's awful
1: at it. And hopefully this is kind of the turning, uh, corner turning moment for him where it's like maybe he was too involved this year and he's like, oh my God, I really screwed this up or whatever happened. Whatever behind closed doors was that made him have this
0: Hope? Revelation. Epiphany. Epiphany.
1: I just hope it sticks. That that's and so it's it's one of those things where it's like, if he reverts back, I'm not gonna be surprised.
0: Well well well
1: I'm hopeful that he's going to give Monty Williams the the leash, the slack to do what he needs to do to craft his team and coach his team the right way it is. What's, what I do find interesting, so, slight quick tangent, is oh w- Williams got a five-year deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jones or Bauer have a five-year deal. Okay. I, I find that interesting that just... And the five-year deal in and of itself is interesting just because in Sarver's entire history as an owner of an NBA team, he's not given longer than a three-year
0: deal for any of the... For a GM or a coach. And... Well, okay, hold on. Let me me interject. Doesn't the fact that Sarver went in and said, I'm going to, right meow, give you a five-year deal, give you any additional comfort to believe that he, in fact, is saying what he's going to do? Because Sarver has put his money where his mouth is, if you will, and obviously Sarver's so cheap... So if, I mean, it, logically speaking, well, if somebody, for three coaches logically right. <laughs> speaking, if somebody believes that Sarver is cheap and then Sarver says, I'm going to step out of this, right? Right. And simultaneously gives this guy a five year deal. Shouldn't that make one think that Sarver is in fact going to step out of it? Because if he doesn't, this cheap guy is going to be throwing money away because he's going to be getting rid of right. another coach. They- Throwing more money away than he's used to, even with those other coaches The, the he's
1: cheap label comes from, not that he won't spend money, it's when he, sh- it, there's, he had crucial situations where he specifically made moves, or required moves to be made to save money at, like, horrible points
0: in time. So... Let me ask you. This. Or when he does
1: spend money, he is, like spends it horribly.
0: Is is it your opinion that Sarver is, in fact, not cheap? No, no, it's not your opinion. Or no, he's not. No, he's not cheap. Which that was that was That's a vague. not my opinion. Okay, so you believe he's cheap. I believe, but you believe he's cheap in different ways than the general perception. I, of, I believe he's not the Chicago Bulls cheap. Okay. But I believe... So the general proposition that people constantly throw out there that Robert Sarver is cheap, the general proposition is, in fact, incorrect, right? No. Okay. Go on. Just talk. I don't (laughs) don't know what to make of any of that.
1: Well, I mean, because, again, we're looking at history. When was the last time he... This is the first time, this is the first time mm-hmm. since he's on this team that he's signed more than a three-year deal for mm-hmm. a coach or a okay. GM. Okay. This is the f- first time he's hired someone in that a leadership position, GM or coach, outside of Alvin Gentry, who was... A interim promotion who wasn't a rookie at their job so so and wasn't making on the very low end of said pay scale i don't know what the numbers are for Monty Williams deal yet i don't know if we're ever actually gonna know where he kind of fits in the scale of coaches i'm hoping but the the five-year thing does speak volumes to me it does because it's new, it's different, it's catching catching up to how the rest of the league is operating. There is a there is value to having a coach with that secure of a contract.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is a value to allowing the coach <coughs> that secure of a contract gives the coach confidence that he can manage the way he wants to manage. He can take risks the way he wants to take risks. As I was saying, I find it weird that the coach has a longer deal than his bosses. It's just kind of it's just kind of weird cuz you like, you know, if I'm going to be hiring my coach, you know, you know, we're going down to the ship together. Right. But I I Happy that he's he, did, he made that move. Like, it gives me confidence that he may actually step back and do what he says he's going to do. So that's my position on it. But, I mean, prior to that, his history with how he treated those positions, which are more crucial than I think he wants to admit they are, to a team's success, of having quality people in those positions, I think... A lot of it comes back to and I I was reading an article about him at some point where I think one of the things he prided himself when he was in banking was finding that young talent. Mm -hmm. So I think he tried to take that same philosophy and bring it to the NBA, but he didn't give that young talent the rope that he gave them in banking for whatever reason, which is how we went through five coaches in five years, how we went through... We've had how many GMs?
0: Seventeen, roughly.
1: Yeah, since he,
0: <laughs> in that five years.
1: In that five years, <laughs> we're we're on our f- fifth, sixth GM. Well, I mean, McDonough was around for a little bit. I mean, well, we had we had we had Colangelo, which wasn't his hire. Kerr, mm-hmm. who was a rookie. Um, Lance Blanks, another rookie. Um, that followed by McDonough, and now we're on Jones. And I think like McDonough really only got an extension because. His plan was to mo- was to do the process and tear down the team, but then they had that unexpected season that just completely derailed that. And they're like, "Oh no, we're actually going to try to compete now." Right. And so then he kind of got a reprieve of like, "Okay, now we're going to let you do what you were originally hired to do."
0: And then once he finished it, he was like, "Yeah, exactly. here's some goat shit. Peace." Exactly. So. So. Robert Sarver, in your from your perspective, is cheap when it comes to coaches in front office. But again, the general perspective that he's cheap all around is not accurate, right? I'm just going to circle around with this, Paul. I'm going to keep going back. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> how you don't believe it's true. I don't believe what's true. That 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 he's cheap in general. Yeah. I mean, the Suns throughout the time he's been the owner, particularly when they were back in the you know in the in the late 2000s, early 2010s, were spending a lot of money on their team, which is why I say that the perception that he, as an owner as a whole, is cheap. It's not like he's pinching pennies to not sign players. Did he make the right moves all the time? No. Did he hire the right people all the time? No. They I'm made just saying, multiple but moves that... with the entire purpose was to shed salary. Okay, so so you're saying he is cheap when it comes to players? Yeah. You said no earlier. Like, you literally well, then, said no earlier. No,
1: I'm... He He makes moves at in... He would make moves at inopportune times to pinch pennies. Like, at the worst possible time. Maybe like the he tur- spends
0: too much and then decides I need to step it back. Does that make him cheap? Does it make him irresponsible? <laughs> Mike Tyson's punch-out signed photo or picture hanging in my office and the Banks. Ralph Macchio <laughs> and what's the other guy's name? Uh Billy Billy Zapka. Billy Zapka signed photo hanging in my office, according to my wife. <laughs> makes me irresponsible. <laughs> but if I went and sold one, I wouldn't be cheap, right? See what I'm saying? That but, might have been the best analogy I've ever come up with in my life.
1: Except what was was selling off first round picks to dump
0: Kurt Thomas. Couldn't that is that your best example of him being cheap with players? Because that happened like Eighty-seven years ago.
1: Well, that's when he developed a reputation, right? So he did that. So he uh, sold off. He sold off first-round picks
0: to get rid of Brian n- Grant. Now again, I, same time period. Now I know what the problem is. Phoenix Suns fans are all stuck into the two thousand and. Of course zero. we are. Two thousand and zeros. Of course we are. Did I just say two thousand and zeros. zeros? Yes. Of course we're stuck in the odds. Well that's that's a problem. Maybe maybe everybody needs to pull their heads out of their asses. Why would I pull my head out of my ass for success
1: to be like I want to I wanna live in the success. It's called that reality. We have. Let's be real.
0: Are you hyperventilating right now? No. I feel but like, I'm like d- I feel like you are. The You are. Well, Calm down. Just one deep breath. A second deep breath. And you're good. I promise good. you'll be fine. Okay, cool. But
1: we've had since 2010, it has been a steady, with outside of one essential, one blip, a steady downward slide for this team. Of course, I'm going to look back fondly on the years when we were competing for a championship. And in one of the years where we had a best shot at championship, a guy who was would could have been really crucial to
0: us winning was sold. So then how come nobody remembers that? Robert Sarver was the one that brought Steve Nash back. Why does nobody care about that? Without Robert Sarver doing that, Suns probably would have been in this 2010 until now rut going all the way back to 2004. But Hmm. Sarver's
1: also the one Mm -hmm. who wasn't willing... So you just
0: ignore the good things he did and focus on the bad. That's the problem with Suns fans.
1: I'm talking about the exact same season. He's also the one who wasn't willing to extend Joe Johnson that season. Mm Mm-hmm. That's Which meant he left the following season. So
0: you focus on the bad. Literally, you're saying exactly what I just said. Like, you're focusing on the bad. What if Steve Nash wasn't there? Who would have cared about Joe Johnson? Because the Suns would have been non-competitive. Right. I'm not saying
1: he doesn't make good moves sometimes. Did you just compliment him a little bit? Yes. No.
0: Yes, you did. You said he makes good moves sometimes.
1: He signs off on a good move. Oh, you
0: changed it. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand how. I don't know what we're even arguing about. I'm just saying stuff to you and hoping, hoping that you. I just don't under,
1: I just don't understand how. Outside of the fact that you're a lawyer and you know how to do this, and that's the only reason you <laughs> feel like you're doing it. Why you even bother wasting your time trying to defend him as an owner?
0: He hasn't proved. He's what a good choice owner. do we have? He's not going anywhere. He's our owner. You have to embrace that. No. Like, what do you want to do, Paul? You want to throw up some billboards? That worked really well, didn't it? No. Right. So what's the point? You have to put faith in the fact that at some point, has Robert Sarver made mistakes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just let me, please. Absolutely he's made mistakes. Okay? Repeatedly I'm- and sh- consistently. Just write For meow. right than a decade. Write meow. Give me like two minutes, okay? No. He has made mistakes. And in the past. Has he learned from those mistakes? You're not letting me. He's Did made mistakes. I will start over every time. <laughs> this will be a four hour podcast. You will not sleep tonight. He's made mistakes in the past. He has, in the past, said, I'm learning. He has started to, in my opinion, minimize the extent in which he's interjecting himself into the day-to-day operations when of did the he team. When well, When was the last time you heard anybody say anything about Robert Sarver is complaining about this person doing this or this person doing that? Has he fired people? Yes. But you don't hear as much about the meddling, if you will. He fires people. That's not meddling. That's being an owner of a team. He has the right to do that. You don't want your owner going in and saying, this guy should be playing more, this guy should be playing less, whatever. But he has been less on the forefront. He doesn't even sit mid-court like he used to. He is now showing through his actions and giving a guy a five-year deal that he is putting, like I said earlier, his money where his mouth is because if he wants to let that guy go, it's going to cost him more money. And again, he's so cheap, then clearly he doesn't want to do that. At the end of the day... He's made mistakes, like I said. I admit I admit that. But complaining about it, whining about it and not just accepting the fact that it's improving does nobody any good. It's like hoping that we keep Aaron Nelson so our players can continue when was to be it improving injured
1: prior to him right now giving a 5-year deal.
0: Did you not just hear what I was talking about? But point being, there's no reason as Suns fans, to not embrace this new Robert Sarver. You don't have to accept it, but embrace it. And you know what? If it doesn't pan out, then so be it. But at the end of the day, sitting there and wasting time and energy bitching about Robert Sarver is not going to do you any good. I just don't get like the, the negativity needs to stop. We need some optimism. That's why this is the podcast of optimism. Paul, anything else Are you share? I'm all right. You good? I'm all right. All right. Well, as we always say here on Fanny the Flames, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you all listening. You can catch me on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay and Paul at Dervish of World, and the pod is at Robert Sarver is the best at Van the Flames. Probably open. I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, you, you better believe I'm changing to that tonight. Uh, and depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good. evening. Evening. See you soon.